All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to My Dumb Friends. I'm here with Shane Moss. Hello. Yes. I'm excited. Hey. Shane's fucking hilarious. Thank you. Yeah. No, I remember uh, well, I have a Gotham Conan. I've like seen most of your oh, appearances. Oh, man. That, I'm that, a that, fan of yours. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I got, let's, let's do that once more. Sorry. Just cut this part out of me. <laughs> fucking Christ. Uh, sorry. Uh, you know what? No, let's keep that in. As you were saying that, as you were giving me a compliment, Sean Donnelly can't do this episode of the podcast. Um, so. Son of a No, gun. it's, it, you know, it's not his fault this time. <laughs> I keep saying this time, um, because he's, uh, he's in Montreal right now. It's doing big, big deal. Doing a warm. You, you've done it. Yeah, it's just fun. For laughs. Yeah, yeah I've I'm done doing it a it. couple times. Yeah, me too. I'm doing. I'm doing it again this weekend. That's awesome. But he's got other. Uh, he's got other uh, stuff to do uh, while he's there. So I'm sorry, anyone here who's a Sean Donnelly fan, but uh, uh, just become a fan of uh, Dan Saint Germain, and because <laughs> he he talks in third person like he's Ric Flair. <laughs> um, but no, thank you. That I mean, yeah, I remember uh, even we would do sh- shows at the studio and shit together, and all, all yeah. those people. Yeah, I say yeah. this like we're like we're like a Dick Doherty. This feels like yeah, doing yeah. old school like Lenny Clark conversations. <laughs> oh, that comedy studio. That's uh, that's that was my home club for many yeah. years. Yeah, fucking, I wonder Rick's still there. He's yeah. married that's- now. Yeah, yeah, he's been married for a long time now. I think yeah, he's been married for like eight years or something. When like I that. first heard it, because she's she's a good looking woman. Yeah. And when I first uh, heard it, I, I was like, it was gonna be one of those things where it was gonna be like Rick in a sundress, you know what I mean? And he's like <laughs> jumps back and forth, but I mean he he bagged it. Yeah. He made it happen. So good for you, Rick, wherever you are. He's crushed under a cotton gin right now. Yeah. He's uh. Cambridge. He's uh, let's see. It's the show is over and he's hanging out at the bar having a few drinks <laughs> just gulping them yeah. down yeah, yeah. trying uh, nur- nursing the wounds from punching the walls in the back <laughs> his, I- icing his knuckles uh, <laughs> he beat the shit out of me when i was there the last no i'm just i want to start that rumor <laughs> rick beats the comics he uh he 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 gets uh he gets worked up. He care he cares very much about his shows and sometimes gets worked up when a uh, comic isn't uh isn't doing so hot. I've 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 felt the brunt of that. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever felt the brunt of that? Yeah, I mean he does a thing like when you're first there, yeah. he'll like just give you grief just to yeah. like vet you to make sure you have like thick enough skin to right. like, keep coming back. Which is like th- that, that that thing that bothers me so much. And here like <laughs> because like what the, what people don't understand is like we don't have thick skin, but we'll keep <laughs> taking the pain. Yeah. So it just hurts a lot every fucking time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it can be crushing. It, Rick's a great guy though. He's no, he is a great guy. But I'm just bit. saying like in general, it happens in it, every it's, club. It's more humorous. Every than club anything. you go to, there's like this like we're and every every new every every comedy new job most comedy jobs you start there's like a you know if people been there beforehand they have this like haze the new kid sort of thing yeah that's why I don't really um I don't really do many clubs in LA because I don't want to like deal with it I don't I don't yeah. like that uh, I mean whatever I do some and and they're fine and I'm grateful when I do do spots but I don't feel like they're ever grateful that I'm you know it, yeah, it, seems, it's, it seems like it's such a privilege yeah exactly to do a spot that's like but my friends run better shows and will have me on and appreciate <laughs> yeah me being not on get annoyed and better and it's not like you're gonna make it's not like New York where you can make a living from spots either yeah. here so it's it's for me for here it's like it's a spot a spot's a spot you know more yeah. so than anywhere else, um, but you're doing this tour now where you're gonna do you're 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 going across all over. Yeah, I started doing, this- doing uh, indie indie shows recently because I have um, I I'm a, I've done them in the past, but I make my living as a club comedian, and yeah. I put together a show about psychedelics. One because I like, which doing- means he'll be a good indie comic. People, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you start out as an indie comic and go into the clubs. It's a little harder. I, that's not totally true, but. Uh, I think that you know. I think both transitions can be very difficult. That's, that's for true. Sure. And yeah. there's very few people that can like do both successfully. I you know think who I can does do it both, really like, well? Mediocrely. Uh, I think it's better than mediocrely. But Rory Scovel is really good at both. Yeah. Oh, and like sometimes just he fantastic. just slows down. That's all he has to do. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I so yeah, I've done my my last album was about breaking my feet. My album before that, or my Netflix special was about um, was about like mating behaviors. I I just like later on in my career, I got more into doing themed things, and psychedelics happened to be like a folder of jokes that filled and i was like well i have an hour about this and i can't do it in clubs and you started taking more psychedelics in the past couple of years it was this well, after the was this well it was like amped up you think after mm, i mean it helped when i became single again because right. i could do them more than um i could in the past but i've, yeah. I've been a pretty regular psychedelic that, user why am i for... alone when i'm with Ruth Bader Ginsburg with spider legs. Oh, that's such a hack. It was a joke. Uh, I, um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing more psychedelics since putting together the show, certainly, but I've been doing psychedelics regularly for about 20 years now. That's great. Yeah. I can't, you know, I've done it, I've done mushrooms eight times and it worked like twice. Yeah. I mean, it's just not for everybody. And yeah. not every time is. I had um, I did acid a few days ago, and it was just like rather boring and not terribly. I got some chores done and stuff, and it was yeah. just like um, it was it You're was like, just it, I got a little writing done. It was kind of productive. I wanted to have a productive uh, trip, and but it was like n nothing nothing special. I didn't come up with anything like profound or make any major like improvements in my life or anything like that. Which the best ones. Um, usually have kind of a lasting um, change, certainly on uh, my depression more than anything. I do think that, like, the notion of God that I have now, if there is a God, um, which I think that there's something bigger than us, but it was from mushrooms. The feeling that I got that Spinoza and, like, everything's connected, we're all God, it's all, it, we're all part of this energy. Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I've thought that, from for me, it's DMT, which is the world's mm -hmm. most powerful hallucinogen. I've never done and, it. Well, it's intense um, yeah. and it's jarring. It's not like dangerous, like chemically, like you're not like frying your brain cells or anything no, like that. But can you come back from it? Yeah, with DMT? yeah. I mean, it's just ten minutes, um, but it's just so jarring and bizarre, and it's just you completely go into like some different realm that I believe is inside of your mind, but a lot of people believe that it's a different dimension. I mean, it's what it looks like. It looks like there's these spirits and gods around and really? talking with you and everything. What did you see when you were on DMT? Um, well, I've done it a whole bunch of times. Um, What's the but, strongest DMT trip you've had? Um, and what does that, what does the acronym stand for again? Dimethyltryptamine. That's right. Um, so um, people may have heard of a tea called ayahuasca that people go down to Peru and do all these shamans and stuff. Actually, speaking of dumb things I've done, oh my God, I should talk about the first time I did ayahuasca. It, what happened? I never even thought about that. So... So first off, I'd I'd already smoked DMT probably 50 times, and DMT is the active ingredient in ayahuasca, and so it, it's just kind of meant to prolong it, and so it's like a milder, kind of easier one or whatever, but I'd done DMT so many times already that I, that's, I wanted that for like four hours, which um, I guess is unrealistic. Um, so I went, I found there's this shaman, this Peruvian shaman, that travels around, and I found one of the places that he was doing a ceremony. A friend uh, introduced me. Yeah, and um, and so I went. And first off, it was it was the most ridiculous new agey types that I've ever seen in my <laughs> like, life. Like they what? were like wearing like white like moomoos and stuff. Like, have you seen <laughs> have you seen HBO's Leftovers? Yeah, yeah, I love it, I love the yeah, Leftovers. I love it too. Love it. Um, it was like the white people. Uh, oh, really? It, it, yeah, it was so culty feeling. And I was raised very strictly religious, and I what it, religion? Uh, Catholic. Catholic. And yeah. um, I never like got into it ever, and so it was always like uh, it was always like I thought it was crazy for a long time for not buying into it and whatnot, and um, and so it was something that I had a lot of bitterness about for a long time in my life, which I'm I think I'm somewhat over now. Um, but I'm still very much averse to any kind of ritual and, and like traditional or, or, or church like setting. And, um, and so you have to go on the special diet for a few days ahead of time. So I do that. And, and then, 
Um, you know, he explains that it, like everyone gets their own bowl to throw up in because most people throw up. And they say it's like releasing toxins. Okay, more on that in a minute. And, <laughs> and because I thought that was the fucking silliest notion I've ever heard. And um, and so I and I told the shaman ahead of time. I was like, Why did you think that was the silliest notion you've ever heard? Well, because once it happened, um, everyone else was throwing up but me. And yeah. I, like, I smoke cigarettes and eat yeah. fast food and drink like crazy. And all these other motherfuckers have been on a vegan juice diet for the last <laughs> eight years of their lives. You're and like, they're all yeah. throwing up these quote-unquote toxins. <laughs> yeah, really. how are you getting rid of wheat, wheatgrass, but I'm still able to hold this uh, KFC bread bowl? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so... So, um, you know, he explains what's kind of, I guess, what's going to happen and whatnot. And, and what is it? Who's this guy? Like, is he Peruvian too? Yeah, okay. yeah. He's Peruvian. At least he's not like a white like guy from Connecticut who says he's Peruvian. And he said, and, and you know, he, he, he's a nice guy and, and bright and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just a chill dude. And, and I mean, I, I was I was happy to have someone that was experienced. I don't believe in like shamans like communicating with various things. Like I don't think priests are talking to God any more than I am, you know. And like I don't need a middleman for my spirituality. Mm-hmm. And um and I just find that annoying. And I and I thought it was I thought it was very um uh it, it was funny because you'd have to there there were it was they there was just a lot of was, they made it very like grandiose and and you'd have to like kneel before the shaman when he gave you like the shot of ayahuasca and yeah. stuff. And it's like these are the people that are supposed to like claim to be really humble. They talk about like one of the main experiences of like ayahuasca. People will talk about these ego deaths. People have an ego death, which is like you see yourself like die or you see like yourself dissolve. And then you realize that you're you're all one with everything and your your ego was just driving you and blah, blah, blah. And you had this great ego death. Well, the problem with that is everyone that has had one of these supposed ego deaths brags about it. Like, (laughs) how are you bragging about your Uh, ego death? And they're Uh, all, like, trying to one-up each other's ego deaths. Of course, yeah. Like, pretty sure your ego is alive and well, you know? Yeah, no, (laughs) it's... it's I mean, that's like, I mean, listen, I go to a lot of meetings, 12-step meetings. I go to, you know, one or two a week still, and there's a lot of that, too, where it's, and it's, by no means, I don't think, uh, like, I'm an AA. AA is not a cult. If you, if you, if you think AA is a cult, please check out Om Shimrikyo in Japan, uh, or, or the fucking Branch Davidians. <laughs> you, yeah. that's a, that's a cult, okay? Yeah. So yeah. don't say that, like, a group of clicky people isn't a cult. It's just a, and that's just a scene. AA's a, but be, because of that, there is, there is a lot of shares that are like, and that's when I realized, you know, I'm, I'm I'm just a ego self-suffering alcoholic. That's but the way but the way they're setting it, and maybe I'm reading into it, but the, yeah. like the the way they set it up is so grandiose and lofty yeah, that yeah. it makes them the Michael Jordan of realizing they're a piece of shit rather yeah. than just being a piece of shit amongst pieces of shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm the humblest. I'm the humblest. <laughs> oh my god, I have the most to work on. <laughs> Yeah, and so, so first off, even before going up, so then, so we're all sitting on mats and a floor in like this big living room, and there's yeah. like twenty of us, and it's a little crowded, and I'm already just like, like I kind of already wish I was by myself. I love tripping by myself anyway. Well, that's interesting. With my experience of DMT, I mean, you're alone no matter what. You're going somewhere else. It doesn't matter who else is in the room. You're not going to see them or anything. You're you're elsewhere. And, um, and, and so an example of, of things that I've seen is like a holog, uh, there's lots of fractals and lights and like tunnels yeah. that you pass through. Um, it's, it's, they think DMT is what gets released and it's what makes you dream at night and, and what gets released in, um, in, uh, high amounts right before you die. And that's why people have these out of body experiences if is they're be- lucky enough to be revived, uh, because of DMT. And, and so, and I believe it because you do see like this tunnel and you see like godlike things and stuff like that. And, but you also see like scary, weird stuff and like little trickster things that are like fucking with your head a little bit. And like, there's a variety of weird. What are some trickster things? 
Um, they're just like, it, like sometimes, like you'll see like where paranoia comes from in your head, and it'll be like, "What if this is all a trick? What if you're on a movie set right now, and this is all like a lie, like a right. Truman Show kind of a thing?" And like, and, and we all have these various like aspects of our brain that can be at uh, that can be accessed under certain circumstances. Yeah. You know, you can be the least paranoid person in the world, but paranoia is still in there somewhere. And just like hate and love and every other kind of emotion. And um, and so I've seen like these weird hologram computer chip cities that talk to me. There's this there's this purple woman that I see all the time that a lot of people really? see. Yeah. That a lot of people see. A lot, yeah, yeah. Now, did you see the purple woman before you heard other people saw yeah. it? Yeah, I actually saw the purple woman, didn't think much of it because DMT's just crazy. And there's just always crazy stuff. And then I well, get... then that can't be chemical, right? I mean, like, well, I think by that, that our... reasoning, like, if you saw it before, I'm unless it really, unless in every single person it triggers something that's already in your head. Like everyone I think has that's the, what's happening. You think that's what's happening? I, I think that we have similar framework in our head, just like just like we might perceive looking at. Uh, you know this this microphone might uh, me looking at this microphone yeah. might be triggering the uh, almost exact same neurons and neural paths that, uh, that I, are being triggered when I so so if yeah. instead if psychedelics are triggering those artificially then it might project that same scene potentially and the reason why i don't think that um that it is like outer space or a different dimension or whatever is because i've had just one, a lot of external things from this world will influence it, like the music that you listen to will influence what you see. And why would something in this world influence that What do you usually dimension? listen to? There's this band Spongle that makes uh, that makes music specifically <laughs> You're so for DMT. This. You're I know. so deep in. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> You're like the guys who weren't Klingon, <laughs> but for hallucinogens. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, and the, so... So I, I've also had, like, my dog jump on my lap while I was on DMT, and then he came into, like, this DMT world and, like, looking differently in, like, weird different colors and stuff like that. Yeah. And so why would why would this – if it's a different dimension, why would why would stimulus from he's like, this he's dimension He's licking my balls, but the balls are over on this <laughs> where the door is. Right yeah, yeah. But the balls look like angels in there <laughs> the or something like that. The balls look like angels. Um, and, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, this is – I mean – I just thought that, and I tried to put my skepticism aside. It was hard to do because the people in there are like, like there's a girl with like a magic wand and stuff, and there's a lot of crystal heavy group in in there. And I just this like is the can't. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and so this this Peruvian guy, you got to kneel before him. You take the shot, and I I take the shot, and I told him ahead of time. I'm like, man, I've done like most people haven't done this stuff. I've smoked DMT, which is more potent than just drinking yeah. it uh like 50 times and and so give me a bunch and um and he he was conservative with how much he gave me and so then i went back up and i took another shot yeah. and i still like eh, this isn't i see it i get it but it's not nothing like smoking it and now i'm just sitting in a room listening to 20 people throwing up around me oh, and God. it was so disgusting and, and you're supposed to be like meditating I'm like well i'm pretty good at meditating i'm not m good enough at meditating right to just be okay with 20 people throwing up around me no and um and then people are like, oh, when you finally throw up, that's when it really brings it on. Well, the second day I did throw up, and it didn't bring it on at all. First off, I think ayahuasca is just interfering. All the other shit in ayahuasca is upsetting your stomach and sending your brain into a panic. And and, and it's replicating, like, your brain thinks that you're dying. I think that's why people yeah. come away with it, and they're like, they're like uh, oh, I had this epiphany. All of their epiphanies are so silly. They'll be like, I, I, um... I saw like three aliens, and then I realized I got to do yoga more. Like, <laughs> that's the most shallow. <laughs> like, 
Like, you saw three <laughs> aliens, and that's what your takeaway was? Like, that was the most interesting part of it, was yeah. that you got to do yeah. yoga? Like, yeah. it's such bullshit. Yeah, I saw an image of my father uh, immigrating to this country, and I realized, i got to get off dairy. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. What does that have to do with this? <laughs> it's so crazy. And, and I think what it is is it's that your brain goes into this kind of bit of begging and pleading. Like, when you think you're – I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you think you're going to, like – be homeless or you think you're going to die or you think something really awful is going to happen in your life, all of us do a form of groveling, like, please, if you just let me get through this, I'll be a better person and I'll be nice to everyone and I'm going to... And I'm going to eat more salad. And I, like, this is just the yeah. shit that we do. And I think that's all ayahuasca is doing. I think that's part of the transformative experience is just that you're poisoning yourself. And, um, and it's not like the actual pure DMT stuff that you're, that is the significant part of the trip. Cause that shit you don't remember anyway. It's very hard to anyway. Yeah. And, um, and so that was like, I thought I, I still want to do it again. But to this day, that's like one of the most, um, uh, that that's about the dumbest thing that I've ever been a part of. The music was just awful. What was the music? It was just like the shaman like rattling stuff and then being like, Who are you, boy? Who are you? Who are you? Who are It was just like, what am I? What are you I doing? I could just have like headphones on yeah. right now. And I could, like I was very functional. So I could have just been outside looking at the stars, not listening to vom- people vomiting and like journaling and having an awesome trip. Because it did feel good. Like the trip itself was great. Um, but but the ceremony ruined all of it. So someday I'm going to do ayahuasca by myself. Yeah, I uh, just make sure you have a big bowl ready. Yeah, I love to. I, I love. I, I want to be like that guy, but just for cocaine. Be like, <laughs> no, the you're not doing it right. The cocaine shaman just just like uh, we just. <laughs> It's like it's the opposite. You realize less. Like you come away like a less profound person. Yeah. Well, You're it's like, all... I just realized, man, I gotta buy like a like a nicer car and fuck a better looking girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You're like, what? Is it, I don't think that helped at all in your journey. And also, in the in the comparison would be like chewing on cocoa leaves is is ayahuasca to snorting cocaine is DMT. Really, it's that what? Le- yeah. And um, and it would be like, no, you don't understand. You just gotta chew more of it, and then when you get sick, that's like all part of it. You yeah, know? ayahuasca feel it feels very corporate retreaty. It it is. It it's is very much like everyone that that's most people go down there, and then they're like, oh, I. I took ayahuasca and I realized I got to get out of my cubicle and make pottery. It's always <laughs> shit like that. It's like, oh, you realized you were in a rut? Well, welcome yeah. to the fucking club. Like, we're all in a rut. Well, then give me a, an example of, like, a realization that you find, that you would find really profound that you've had on DMT. Um. Well, I would say that DMT's just made me question my perception of reality and the firmness in my beliefs. I've definitely gone from atheists and hardcore atheist to agnostic. agnostic and um yeah, and i i believe that i've i've come up with a lot of um a, a lot of neuroscience insights i have a podcast called here we are and talked to scientists about life and um and i think that i've i've so if you actually want to learn something please listen to shane's podcast <laughs> so when shane leaves here i'm going to talk about a, a bump i found on my dick so oh that's tune in. i'm just joking it wasn't on my dick it was on my dad's um oh. uh, that was kind of like a real like a play by the book mr joke you know <laughs> like that was a three years in like, oh, that works. I'll it's put it podcast. in there. Yeah, we right. Can throw it, Stop Dan. judging, Dan. Yeah. Stop judging yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's that. So that's something that I've realized from like mushrooms, or something that I came away with from ayahuasca was that, like, I remember I was on ayahuasca and I was like, oh, you got to work harder and blah blah blah, and I, uh, your career and stuff. And then I was like, wait, wait a second, why? Like, I'm uh, I do work hard enough. Why am I beating myself up for? Why do I beat myself up so much? I don't. I'm not for beating people up. Like, I don't want to beat up other people. Right. Why am I beating myself up? And that was kind of the realization 
that I came to that like when you're a child, you got to be taught to treat others the way you'd treat yourself. But as an adult, you kind of got to remember to treat yourself the way you'd treat others sometimes. Like you wouldn't talk to a stranger, like the inner monologues that you say to yourself, like calling yourself a dumb, uh, yeah. you know, an my, idiot or an my asshole My dad or said something so depressing to me two days ago. And I was like, because I was talking about dad. I've been, it, it's, it's actually great to have you on right now. And um that you know we're not uh we're not sean's not on this podcast fucking up talking about like what chicken cutlet sandwich he had (laughs) yeah that's right i'm throwing the gauntlet down donnelly you're not gonna fucking show up for the podcast i'm gonna talk shit (laughs) fucking about you and your sandwich your fucking sandwich all right (laughs) eat a fucking salad like shane just said Uh, i don't think really shane said it i took the wrong thing from that story but i was talking to my dad two days i've been thinking about death a lot like a lot Like I, I like, and I think I'm I'm on a new anti anxiety medication. It's it's doing this weird thing, where I take the anti anxiety medication and I'm fine during the day. Like I'm way better. But then at night, right before I go to bed, I just have vivid, like just terror about the fact that none of us are ever, none of us are gonna be around. Yeah. In eighty years, and it just keeps me up, and I have to walk up and pace back and forth. Yeah. So it's really well, it doing the like opposite. Really great anti anxiety. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like, that's like antidepressant side yeah. effects include suicide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. <laughs> so one of the main fucking side <laughs> yeah. effects of Yeah, I'm making sure that I'm really able to concentrate on the wrist I'm digging uh. into. <laughs> but, you know, I've had that, and I brought that up to my dad. I'm like, isn't it just like, you know, none of this fucking matters, you know? And and my dad, uh, my dad said, well, you know, I, I get nervous, you know, when I'm going to die and whether or not I worked enough. And I was like, that's exactly what Alec Baldwin's character said in 30 Rock as a joke. Yeah, yeah. He said, like, I didn't work enough. Like, that's the joke. It's like a, 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 an empty person. And my dad's a fucking writer, so it's like, why would this be? And I love my dad, and he's a really great writer, but I'm like, Dad, why would that be your fucking realization? Yeah. Before, why would be the, that be the thing that you're fucking nervous about? That's insane, you know? Yeah. But I have, I think... Yeah, the most like when I was on mushrooms and I, I went to the Pound Ridge Reservation when I did it, which is like where where, where I went to high school in Westchester, New York. It was I went to a school, Fox Lane, but we we were in uh, we took mushrooms and we went on a hike. And I definitely had, and I've had this a couple times, I guess, on mushrooms before. But complete loss of identity, complete disassociate. I'm like everything that I've made about my personality. Oh, the Dan, the bumbling. Blah, 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 kind of guy that's that's all a construct yeah it's all gimmick i mean it is true i mean i i make fun of the ego death stuff but it but it does i mean meditation can do the same thing oh i did it i did tm in uh april i did i took a course i was one of those idiots who spent like uh you know 900 bucks on a course yeah and uh but i started fucking like having very very similar reactions to when i first did mushrooms yeah yeah body shivers and all that kind of shit yeah you kind of uh, pull back in your mind and kind of see yourself from a more objective point of view almost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say that's the beneficial thing of, of many psychedelics for me. I don't think that DMT is beneficial in that way. Um, at all. I I don't think it does anything to like help my like day to day existence. Yeah. I think that I just come up with interesting ideas about how, how the mind works, like how the mind runs simulations to make some of the choices that we make in life and that sort of thing. But nothing that I really have like control over can change. Yeah. Well, cause, cause you know, you, uh, you had a big drinking period and I did too, but it, you know, yeah. I think the reason people society doesn't frown upon, cause I, I've heard the same fucking arguments like why do they why why were they making weed illegal when all the deaths and the violence of alcohol and all those are true completely but I think that the, the more prof- the more like the deeper reason for this is like besides the fact that like you know like you know no one can make money off off the drugs that grow from the ground right. but I, I think the bigger reason for that is like alcohol like you're gonna get the best or worst of me but it'll still be me. And like when 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 you there's this belief around drugs where if you're if it's either weed or mushrooms or acid or peyote or, or mescaline it's like uh, I just keep with the whole rest of the podcast me listing drugs but it's not like there's this fear of you, <laughs> you're very in your yeah, head right now yeah, are you yeah, tripping yeah, yeah, all the time like the the, the but but my point is is that it's not you it's the it's it's the fear of the fabric of whatever fucking bullshit construct we have. Yeah. And that's what drug laws are, I think like that's that's a big fear with hallucinogens anyway. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that 
unlike every other drug, which is uh, like an escape, um, like alcohol certainly is, um, and um, in most drugs are a bit of an escape, or they're, you know, or speed is maybe not an escape, but it's like a productivity kind of thing, and and then there's like downers to put you to sleep or whatever and psychedelics is the only thing that forces you to like go inside of your mind yeah and question things and i think it's it's harder to keep kind of social order when people start asking more and more questions um yeah. not, not that i don't think there's like a conspiracy i just i against psychedelics i think mostly it's just ignorance and um and the other main thing is is that it just a, a lot of a lot of cultural norms evolve just because they kind of work for the culture as a whole. Like if you can just keep people grinding away, like give them a beer to blow off that steam so they don't come in here and shoot up the office, you know, or yeah. or, or give them Adderall so they can read faster, or, you know, or pay attention more, and which is math. And um, and uh, whereas whereas psychedelics will make you step back and be like, Wait, what? Why am I? Why am I doing all this? It makes you question a lot of your patterns yeah. and behaviors that you don't think a lot about. And um, and I think when people start doing that, they become a little less complacent. And also psychedelics, um, psychedelics tend to uh, prime. So one of one of like the five um, personality traits is speaking in broad brushes. But there's right. this big five personality thing that a lot of psychologists talk about a lot of people have heard of like myers-briggs which is kind of bullshit um but one of them is openness and people that are highly open and are probably like you and i that are like uh very up, up for new things all the time and need yeah. a lot of stimulation and are curious people and travel a lot and and sometimes that gets us in a lot of trouble there's pros and cons to all this but people that are low in openness are tend to be like they've never left their hometown you know their country is the best the church that they were raised in is the best Outsiders are very scary. People different than them are very scary. Um, and and they like what they know, and they don't need to know anything else. And what psychedelics have been proven to do is is people people test higher on openness um, for at least a year. Uh, about I forget the percentage, but a large portion of people, one dose of psychedelics will make you test higher on openness. And the people that are low in openness, a lot of these people are pillars of the community because they love laws. Laws are just like the great, uh, the best. Like you got yeah. this playbook for life and you know just how to live. And you wish they were like a little stricter, you know, so that more people would follow along. Yeah. But, um, but if you're a lawmaker, these are your favorite kind of people. And so you're going to lose those people when, um, when more people do psychedelics. And I think that's part of... I don't think that's why the policies consciously went into place. I think that's the kind of why they work for lawmakers, like by accident. Like the lawmakers yeah. don't understand that's what's happening, but it just works out for them. Yeah, and also you've never like, and not, not that the you know obviously you know the the connotation is you really just can't make money off. I mean, yeah, because you, you can't make money off if somebody on mushrooms isn't gonna isn't gonna go to a strip club and pay twelve hundred dollars. He may talk to the stripper about her life. Right, and it may get weird, but he's not gonna like. And most people are gonna do mushrooms once, once to maybe five times. E- like if you spend yeah. twenty dollars a month on psychedelics, you like you're doing a lot of psychedelics. Right, like, that's about where I'm at, and only because I'm doing this tour. And that's like that's <laughs> yeah. not a lot. Do you look forward of... not to taking mu- to not taking mushrooms? Actually, I've enjoyed my my yeah. depression's really gone away since I've been doing more that's psychedelics. Good. That's not going to work for everybody, by the way. It's no, no, no. And listen, I'm I'm uh, and I want to say this too to anyone who's listening. Um, I am sober, and uh, I don't think I'm the personality type to do yeah. hallucinogens. I'm not saying I won't be at some point in my life again, but. Um, I've had bad experiences too, and uh, being sober has worked for me. Yeah. But you know, also hallucinogens work for you too. I, there's no judgment either. Everyone's different, so yeah. moderation, right? Whatever it is. Um, but but the point is, is that you know, you sell someone cocaine or something like that, you know, and they're calling you back six hours later to buy more cocaine. Yeah, cocaine in moderation too, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like that's a very profitable drug, whereas right. psychedelics just aren't. That's why it's hard to even get. Like your local drug dealer probably doesn't move a lot of psychedelics. Yeah. It's probably more the addictive stuff is what you want to be selling people. Yeah. Nobody who sells uh like 
mushrooms, just mushrooms, has like a pet snake and an assault rifle next <laughs> yeah. to each other. That's just, that's yeah, not it's more can... like a hobby. For yeah, them if they're it, selling mushrooms. Yeah, it, yeah, nobody's making that much money. You just can't. <laughs> you just can't do it. You're like, oh, I'll just cut the middleman and get a cow. Uh, <laughs> maybe at a co- maybe at a college. That's true, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty difficult. My, uh, the the sound guy for my band way back in the day, like he paid his rent selling mushrooms. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, because he had a friend in Santa Cruz that grew them. Well, Sean, with, with this with Tom, it was just portobello mushrooms. The guy was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're delicious. Yeah, they're profitable. And the guy would send him a you know once a month a big box by UPS just mm. filled with you know dried mushrooms, and then my my friend would uh, you know sell them and. We we did them we we had them. It's a really groovy FedEx commercial, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I mean it can happen, but I think it's it's difficult, and I don't think yeah. you're like really getting rich off. It's of, like the Venetian glass industry. Sure, someone's making money yeah. off it, but to call it an industry is a little much. And paying your rent back then is what five hundred dollars a month or something <laughs> yeah, like that. That's exactly. not that's not a living necessarily. No, now you've got to work four fucking jobs. <laughs> now I'm turning into a Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> now you, you got to work four jobs. You can't even make a living as a mushroom salesman anymore. Um, what's that? The 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 guy who grew them. His name was the Rattler. That was that was. Are oh, you, you sure gotta... this was this was mushrooms and not heroin? Yes. This sounds was, the Rattler is like a that's a that's a that's a that sounds like a drug dealer where you meet at a shipping yard. Was, <laughs> you know, like the Rattler. Yeah. That sounds yeah, like someone a, Stallone has to confront. He was, a, he was a huge surfer guy, and he lived in Santa Cruz in a geodesic dome. Oh, I fucking love Santa Cruz. I don't know what that is. What's it's, a, ge- it's a geodesic dome? It's, above it's, us. Yeah, it's made out of like a, a repeated shape, like hexagons or or triangles, and it's in a dome shape, and it was embedded in the side of a hill. And we we visited it. We visited the Rattler in his geodesic dome. <laughs> these are things. Was it fun? Yes. Yeah, it was great. We ate, we ate a bunch. Did you of ever mushrooms. do mushrooms, Tom? Oh yes. Oh yeah, yeah. And we. we... <laughs> <laughs> Good time. <laughs> We visited. We yeah. We ate a bunch of mushrooms and we watched uh, Corvette Summer with Mark Hamill. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I've never yeah, heard the of classic it. mushroom movie, the classic high movie, Corvette oh. Summer with Mark Hamill. Speaking of dumb things that I've yeah. done on on psychedelics, I someone told me about this movie and and described it as really trippy, and so I took mushrooms and watched for the first time Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> Which was one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. Absolutely horrifying. Just so horrified. It yeah. was like, I, I mean, that I, I don't know what it's like to see it for the first time, not on mushrooms, but if you see it on mushrooms, it will stick with you for a very, very long time. That's not a movie to see on mushrooms. No, no, it's horrifying. Oh, Jesus. Just like, oh, is this is this what my life's going to become? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm on drugs right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. when I think of mushrooms, I think of like uh, Janis Job with Jimi Hendrix and ass to ass. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I want when I, when I get groovy. That's what I want. Uh, but, but I mean, but, uh, you know, like I'm, I, I would say, though, if you're thinking about like, I don't know. I would say, like, if you're thinking, if you're in college, I think I would like want my kids to still do like hallucinogens over drink, like in the morning. Yeah, because you're only gonna sure. do it like a few times a year. You yeah, know? I mean, and you I had don't to stop really drinking, know. right? Yeah, I stopped drinking for like two or three years. I think. What's the like? What's the most like, like uh, most nightmare decision night you've had drinking? Well, just, I mean, I, I mean the the. Real like embarrassing thing that pops yeah. up in my head um, is, and this is like laughable. It wasn't yeah. like, ter- it, you know, whatever. It's just good for a laugh. It, I didn't have to beat myself up for it too much, but it's just like, this is getting ridiculous, Shane. Yeah. What happened was I was at Go Bananas in Cincinnati. Great and club. A great club. I, it was like my birthday weekend or something like that. And, um, and we, uh, 
uh, I, I was getting drunk, really drunk every that night. Club. I people that get fucked time. up at that yeah, club. Yeah, yeah, and they like encourage you to like go to the bar and drink with people afterwards to sell more <laughs> drinks and whatnot. And I got hammered one night, and then I took a taxi back to my hotel. But they took me. It was say it was like a comfort inn or whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. Um, took me to the wrong comfort inn, and. Um, I was like, no, no, this is the wrong hotel, corrected it, and then he brought me back to the other hotel. Well, the next night, I got way more drunk, blacked out, and then I was with, there's this comic, Mark Ag, who's a really funny guy. Um, yeah, no, I know Mark. And he, uh, he was featuring for me that week, and it was us two, and I don't know who was driving, I was so blackout drunk. And we, I just have the slightest memory of this, but... We got to the hotel, and somehow I just time-traveled back in my mind because there's, like, associative learning where where if you learn something in one state, you'll, like, remember it back in that yeah. state, but you'll, like, forget when you're, like, say, sober. Um, but uh, so I was just back. I teleported back to that night before and became convinced that I was at the wrong hotel, even though oh I wasn't. God. And oh And Mark was trying to get me in the hotel and he's like way bigger than I am and everything. Yeah. And I was so convinced that this wasn't the right hotel that somehow in my mind, I decided that a solution to this problem was to just run. <laughs> <laughs> so I just took off running and then I don't remember this part, but apparently I just right away took a digger and face planted it into all this gravel. I don't remember that oh. at all. I wake up the next day feeling like a million bucks. I was probably still drunk, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, do 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 And then I look in the mirror, and my whole face is just covered in dried blood. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, what the God. fuck? And then I clean my face off. And it was like a little scraped up and everything, but it wasn't too bad. And it was like, I might, it might not be bad enough where I have to. I might not have to mention this on stage, and but there's this one scab that was like pretty clear, and like I was like I don't want to explain this, so I was like trying to pick up the scab, and it just hurt when I did it a lot, like unusually yeah. bad, and I didn't really. I was like oh, I guess I'll just leave it, and then I made a joke about it on stage. Then I got drunk again after after the show, and I was hanging out at the bar, and I was talking. There's this nurse there, and I was like, Hey, could you um, could you like take a look at this scab it's like it's really irritating yeah. me can you just like take a bar straw and like get it off for me or something and she starts picking at it and she's like what in the world and then a rock fell out of my face oh, i oh had my a rock lodged <laughs> into my face and and I performed with the rock in my face. <laughs> so it wasn't a scab at all? It was Did not you start a bleeding scab. when the rock came up? Uh, a little bit. Not really. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there was, there was just that lots is of like stuff like that. tragic Irish drunk shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that that was the stuff that got me to like quit drinking when there was like so much of that stuff all and I was blacking out like all the time. And, yeah, and I was just doing it more and more. And um, I I know the night that I quit drinking or the morning I quit drinking, it was after a brutal night when I like walked a whole room. Um, yeah, and it was just awful. And it was like it was just like this was the club rich. Yeah, it was like this rich, snobby crowd, and they were just, like, not having it. And then, like, I just started snapping after a while. Yeah. And then they, like, weren't having that either. And then I just, like, had, like, a full meltdown on stage. It's never happened to me before or since. We all have our moments. Yeah. And I walked the whole fucking room, which is, um, I mean, I've walked, like, a couple people before, maybe a table or something like that. But here's... I'm I'm like well if you don't want if you have a room full of 300 people and there isn't like one table that doesn't like you you're probably doing like the blandest shit imaginable yeah um but but that was like awful and I got hammered and I and like got in a fight with the staff and stuff and, wow. and it was just ugly I got fired the next day reasonably so right right and um and I. Uh, yeah, and then I quit drinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's definitely some places 
I won't work again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there, I've had one or there's two. A, there's only like, yeah, I think for there's, me, there's four like, clubs. Um, yeah. And I've been a full-time um, comic for nine years, and yeah. I'm a road dog. I'm always on the road, and there's only been four clubs that I'm like, nope, will not go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's maybe one or two for me. Um, Actually, I think two, two or three of those clubs are no longer in business. They were just awful clubs. They were that bad. Yeah, yeah. I think it gets hard just because you get like longer into this, and it's like you're if you're like if you know if you're at that ten year mark or longer than that, mm-hmm. then you're like I don't really want to deal with fucking. I want to talk about what I want to talk about yeah. now, you know? Like I know, I know the stuff about I know how to I know how to connect to yeah. larger groups of people. I get it. I mean, like I do think it's important. I think like when you start it's important to do late night sets because if you haven't done it then for me it's like, well, are you really that funny that you couldn't put 5 minutes together yeah. that connects to everybody? But I also understand when you get like 10 or 15 years in, it's like Dude, maybe I don't want to fucking do the yeah do the misdirect joke again. Yeah, yeah, I know what's absolutely. Gonna work. I mean, that's why I'm putting this together, and I I can't I can maybe get away with talking about psychedelics for like five or ten minutes. Yeah, um, in, in front of a like just a regular Saturday night crowd full of bachelor and bachelorette parties and birthday parties and date nights and all that sort of stuff. Maybe maybe ten if it's a cool crowd, right? But. Other than that, like you'll just lose so many people. Whereas if I put together these indie shows, bill it that way, people know what people they're getting do into. It. And then it's like the Ruth, they like, love you know, like, it. like when I made that Ruth Bader Ginsburg spider joke, it's like those are the type of jokes that they'll. It's like it's like isn't it weird, you know? Yeah. Like, which there's only so many of those jokes you can do before you're like, well, everybody's done the. It's, yeah. it, it's weird, right? I mean, when I started out, I was like, I was kind of perfect for those five minute long yeah. sets, and then I just stopped caring about those those that kind exactly that kind of material well that's somebody told asked me you know i was talking to my manager they're like oh you want to put a new late night set together i'm like i will when i have something to sell right now you know like when i have a new special but i don't there's no use for me just doing it for just the sake of doing it now i've done a couple you know what i mean where you're like it's an awful lot of work it's a lot of work when when you can when you can and it's like no one's very few people are watching that and then discovering you from it. Most people are falling asleep afterwards and forgetting who who you well, are. Well, they they had a study where like they did the third act of late night shows and like between the second or third act and like between the second or third act if they had music it would kind of hold the same, but if it was comedy it would just drop down dramatically. Oh, it didn't yeah. matter who it was. They're right. just like, ugh, stand up, fuck this. I'm not watching comedy on a yeah. comedy show. Are you kidding me? I can watch <laughs> Bad Boys Two again. <laughs> yeah. Three channels down. And I mean, uh, podcasts are just simply like more fun and more people listen and care about them and listen yeah. in front of their computers and look up the guests and you get to talk openly about ideas that are interesting to you. And yeah, instead of like wondering where's you. the punch, where's the punch. Yeah. Um. The you were telling me um one horrifying story about the last special which i mean it's 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 the most horrifying thing i've ever heard it's the most horrifying thing a comedian would have to deal with before a tape special yeah it was it was pretty bad um it was it was we had a big theater which was way too big for for what you're doing anyway and um i'm i'm just not uh I'm not filling 900 seat theater, especially two shows Sorry. in a row on a Wednesday night. I'm a long ways off. From and, that. and as we all know, Wednesday night the greatest night to do comedy, yeah. <laughs> and and in a sense that it's better than Tuesday. And they they one they were just bad at getting people in anyway through whatever like system that they're using and like the company even ahead of time they're like, oh, we just shot a special um, with so and so and. Um, you know, they were, the comic was really worried because there wasn't many people there, but then it was like, they're really great. And it was a great, like they were preparing yeah. me for not many people being there <laughs> Which because they were just sign. bad at, that's like, not a good sign. Like, gonna... you know, you do comedy central presents, There's they'll there. fill that place. And they're good. Yeah. And yeah. Those people are good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, or I always blank or not her name. The woman who runs the audience coordination for. Oh, yeah, um, blonde-haired great. woman, she's terrific, and I'm, I always blank on her freaking name, but she does the greatest job in the world. That doesn't help. Yeah. I'm going to get her name, and uh, we're going to mention it at the end of the podcast. Tom, you're going to mention it. Um, okay. 
Thank you. And so, so yeah, and then they were already having trouble, and then they didn't pay. They were, like, shooting these on such a sh- shoestring budget that they didn't – they were just shooting, like, a bunch of them in a week or whatever. Yeah. And not putting the money into it. And they um, they had um, – they, they weren't paying their union workers. And so there was – there was a like a strike going on outside, <laughs> and there was with all like the union like stage people, uh, stage crew people, yeah, and they had a fifty foot inflatable rat outside <laughs> of the theater that they always put outside of like it was this guy that that made that that runs this theater. They were always like oh protesting God. his shows. <laughs> And but I didn't know any of this, and then I saw that there's just the, all of this going on. Where we're trying to get people to come in off the street. It was such a nightmare, and my delivery was. And so also, off like Boston, and, not a union city. You want to piss off? Yeah, right? yeah. And I don't know if I'm supposed to say the name of the city. And but. well, I mean, it's in my Netflix special. It says where I was. And yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was. And I didn't really. I performed. I'm from Boston. I performed yeah. in the theater before. Didn't really like the kind of audiences that were there anyway. Yeah. Um. They just weren't my cup of tea. Um. And and so so yeah. It was it was uh. I, I hated it. I mean I mean I look back. I'm like, well, I I like it was my first whack at doing a theme thing. It was you know it, I'm fine with some of it. There's some stuff that I wish I had done more challenging stuff rather than making it super accessible and and i learned a lot and that's why now my shows like it's very challenging it's it's the smartest show that i've ever put together yeah and i've pushed to make my last two hours that way just because i was kind of disappointed that i hadn't um i was very proud that i was able to talk about evolution on an accessible level like i'd i'd honed the set in front of like Dallas crowds and everything. And I'd have cowboys be like, man, I never thought I'd laugh about science. And that meant something to me because I think those are the people that need to be reached the most. But then when you make things just that accessible, it also becomes kind of bland. It becomes a little diluted. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, um, God, I, 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 I'm just, I just wanked on something. No, I, when you're bringing up a venue, like I, I think that people, what people don't realize about venues is like, there's maybe one place in the U.S. At, at venue-wise for comedy that's as good. It's like the Comedy Cellar, and I, I know there's a lot of good clubs in New York, like the Stand. But I'm like, like for the most part, the big ones, like the big venues that you hear, like, yeah, but uh, but but this guy did a special here, and it was amazing. I was like, yeah, if he had done a special anywhere, it would have been amazing because he was at a point in his career where they were gonna come wherever he was. Yeah. So. You've got to think about, uh, you know, uh, venues in terms of what's going to work for you and what kind of people you can draw, because right. like it's not like music where there's like a, like oh Royal Albert Hall or something. There's no, there's only maybe a couple places like that for for comedy, but yeah. Um, uh, and the, and we were t- we were talking about a mutual friend Dan Bolger. That's the funniest yeah. story I heard beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan Bolger is a Boston comedian who's he, fucking hilarious. Um, but he's a bit of an idiot savant. Yeah, like yeah. A really, really bright guy, but in terms of like managing his life, uh, he is just awful at it <laughs> and very absent-minded and very forgetful and just doesn't know simple things. Last time I was in Boston, I stayed at his place. And I I used his car. Yeah. And then he went to give me a ride to the airport afterwards. And he gets in and he's like, you broke my car. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, the seat's all messed up. And I'm like, what? And he's like, it's all just different. And I'm like, yeah, you just got to, I, ju- I just adjusted it. He's like, what? I'm like, there's like a lever in the bottom to <laughs> oh, move no. it up and a lever on the side. He's like, what? He had no idea that car seats adjust. I think like when he get, went to find the car, he just went with the one that fit. Like whatever seat was just like set in the right position for him. It was like, well, this one, I guess this one will fit. And like, like do you do you have this one in a size thirteen that's or something? Fucking, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. Oh, all right. Well, Shane, uh, tell us. Uh, plug away. Yeah. ShaneMoss.com. It's M A U S. 
www.thinkprocess.com, my podcast, Here We Are. I interview scientists each week about um, about their research and mostly why humans behave the way they do in animal behavior and that sort of thing, um, life stuff. And um, I have my I have like a 40 or 50 city tour starting in October and running through at least early December. We're maybe adding on to it um, with the show that's been going really well and packing out everywhere and a bunch of indie venues and clubs on off nights and stuff. And um, with my show called A Good Trip, and I will be announcing the dates for that within about two weeks. So if you keep an eye out or sign up for my mailing list, which I, I've never actually sent out a mailing list before, but <laughs> yeah. I will send a mailing list out for this one. And it, um, you won't be annoyed by me every week with the mailing list thing. So, yeah, please please check that out. It's um, It's a show that I'm quite proud of. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm I'm excited to see it. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm hoping to make it a special. I yeah, I'll actually watch that one because most specials, uh, I don't. I, I, I will I would literally, you know, there's like a couple people I'll watch. I'll watch your stuff. Um, uh, this dancestagermain.net. Um, the big news obviously is guys, our Montreal show Saturday at the Hyatt at noon. Uh, if you're in the area or if you're just going to the festival because you're the Montreal Festival, it's in the middle of the day so you can see other shows. I'm, I'm marketing this in the best way. I'm like, listen, guys, <laughs> you won't ruin your festival if you come to our show. You have plenty of other shows you can see if you hate us. No, but, um, you know, we're really excited about the show. Um, uh, Roy Wood from The Daily Show is going to be there, so please check that out. And we're going to also, you know, we've got some fun stuff planned. So, so check it out if you're in the area. And uh, Tom? Uh, please write us a note at mydumbfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at dumbfriendscast uh, for updates on our show. And we have some funny things we're going to be posting this week uh, to promote the show. So so uh, follow us to, to check those out. Yeah. And uh, Not Safe with Nikki Glaser has like, you know, by the time this comes out, they'll have two episodes left. So please uh, check us out uh, as well. So Big Papa still has a job. <laughs> If you're gonna do third person, do a nickname. Let's do it. Just keep going. Yeah, you don't want to. I always say, like, I I had a bit. I've always been trying to work, and it's just never totally work. It's like you never hear. Like, I would love to see like 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 depressed wrestlers talking third person. <laughs> where it's like if The Rock wants to go to a Sleepy's mattress store and cry into a mattress until someone's gonna tell him to leave, and that's what The Rock's gonna do. If you smell The Rock's cooking, it's his head in the oven. I sped it up because I was doing stand up in front of a live person who's a comic who's funny. I, I like I'll that. do that where you just you just do it really fast. I think that you can tell people this is a bit and this is do a bit. it. I think you can't like as long as sneak you can. it in. I've I've done I've uh, I've been caught like I'll say something and then people really laugh and it's a one line thing and I know it can't be bit so then I'll tweet it and then they'll look down there like motherfucker did you just tweet an organic <laughs> life moment that we just had and I'm like guys I need more followers I'm going on this tour <laughs> anyway thanks so much Shane thanks for thank coming thank you. Thanks for listening to the My Dumb Friends podcast. Kind of a throwback episode there where we got to hang out with one guest for the entire episode. Uh, Kind of not our new format, but a good one. Shane Moss is awesome. Uh, Just a little disclaimer. Uh, Dan St. Germain was talking about Samantha Black. That's the uh, girl he was referring to earlier. Uh, And and, uh, she's great. So that was what we were talking about earlier in the show. Um, of course, this week, uh, the big, big deal is our show, our live podcast at Just for Laughs uh, Comedy Festival in Montreal. It's Saturday, July 30th at noon at the Hyatt Regency in Montreal in the Ovation Room. If you know anybody going to the Just for Laughs Festival or if you know anybody that lives in the Montreal area, please tell them about our show. You can also share our event. It is on Facebook. Go to the My Dumb Friends page, and our event is there. You can share that on Facebook. You can also find it very easily at the Just for Laughs Festival website, which is at hahaha.com. There is a search box. Search for My Dumb Friends, and our event will come up with all the ticket information and everything. You can share that on Facebook or on Twitter or wherever you want. Uh, we are on Twitter at Dumb Friends Cast. 
And of course, please follow Dan St. Germain at DS Germain. Sean Donnelly is Shawnee Time, S-E-A-N-Y-T-I-M-E. This is Thomas Attila Lewis speaking, and I am at TomDog. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes and whatever your listening platform is. It would really help out. We need as many uh, comments and and readings as possible. But thanks for listening. We're going to be back. We have so many exciting things happening up in Montreal. Uh, we can't wait to, to share what happens with you. So uh, we really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. For other cool comedy podcasts, go to allthingscomedy.com. Yes, we're a part of the All Things Comedy Network. We're one of many great comedy podcasts. That's allthingscomedy.com. Our opening and closing song is called Mary the Boxer by Phil Pickens. You can find out more about Phil at philpickens.com.